listening to the On the NBA Beat podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts left. The Lakers have two. Bryant to shot. LeBron James with no regard for human life. Jordan. Oh, a spectacular by Michael Jordan. And now, your hosts. Lauren Lee Chen, and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fishman. Hello, old friends and new. It's Aaron Fishman. I'm so glad you found us after a nearly three-week hiatus. Lauren and I are excited to be back for today's episode. It focuses on what I consider to be the most intriguing team of the offseason, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Whether it's adding Jimmy Butler, the awe-inspiring potential of Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, the Kyrie Irving rumors, or another aspect of the franchise's summer, we had to bring on Tim Fakeless to break those down for us. Tim is a busy guy, most notably writing for A Wolf Among Wolves and co-hosting the Wolves Wired podcast. He also plays bass and lead guitar. In fact, his old punk rock band once wrote a reggae tribute song about actress Jennifer Lawrence. Now that you know Tim, I'll kick it over to LLC to start the show. Hey, Tim. Thanks a lot for joining us today. How's your off-season going? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. If you're talking personally, I mean, I'm laying in bed just chilling right now, so not too bad. How about you guys? <laughs> it's good on our end, too. Obviously, for the Timberwolves, it's been good. They had the draft day trade acquiring Jimmy Butler, reuniting him with his former coach, Tom Thibodeau. How do you expect how the Wolves are going to play to incorporate him and what individual contributions he can make? I think he improves the team pretty monumentally. I want to start by mentioning that uh, Zach Levine departing was a big blow to a lot of Minnesotans, not just because uh, he's a dunk contest winner. He put up almost 20 points a game last year. He is... Uh, one of the more, just as a media member, he's one of the more down-to-earth guys I've talked to in the locker room. And as a player, he has come such a long way in such a quick pace. I think Chicago it really, really has somebody there that they can get. So as far as the trade itself, I didn't see it as big of a lopsided trade as some might have seen it. But as far as Jimmy Butler in Minnesota, I mean, bringing him in brings in a top-12 player. They haven't had that. I mean, you could argue since they had Kevin Garnett on the roster, you could obviously argue for Kevin Love being of that caliber at one point. But the Wolves have lacked a go-to guy <laughs> above the age of 25 uh, that plays both ways, that knows the game, that frankly knows Tom Thibodeau's system, just is not afraid to call the shots on both ends, uh, both on the court and in the huddle. He really does everything on the floor. Well, he's not a dynamite perimeter shooter, but uh, pretty much every other aspect of his game is something that they've missed, especially defensively. They were the worst uh, defensive team in the NBA by a lot of measures last year, and Butler brings in that defensive toughness that Thibodeau's been looking for for you know since he joined the team, really. Even the team's two young guys, Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, well, monumental talents in their own right are more offensive talents at this point than defensive talents. They're still very much a work in progress in that regard. And I think part of Thibodeau's plan is to have Butler teach the both of them, especially Wiggins, how to work on that end. So 
in terms of just star power, scoring, defense. He's obviously a huge presence, but also in terms, even though he's only 26 right now, in terms of teaching the youngsters, Towns and Wiggins, I think he's going to make a huge difference right away. And frankly, I think he puts them in the playoff contention, which is something you can't really say about a Wolves team since the Kevin Garnett era, really. I mean, there was a team with uh, Kevin Love, Nikola Pekovic, Ricky Rubio, and Kevin Martin that came close, and people discussed it. But this is the first team where I think many see them as a borderline lock for the playoffs, and you haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, I want to return first to what you said about Zach Levine. Obviously, I think Minnesota fans are going to miss him, not just for his on-the-court contributions, but also... He did so much for the community there, too. Yes. Uh, I know he, had, he was very involved with the deaf schools around Minnesota. So in that way, he'll be missed as well. I'm glad you brought up the defense for the Wolves. Last season, I think it was really surprising to see a Tom Thibodeau coach team be, as you said, like last in so many metrics. I think they were 26 last season in defensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. Was it just that they had so many young players on the roster that like it's natural that they're not so defensively sound yet? Or was there something else wrong uh, with the personnel or the system last year? I don't think it's a system issue necessarily. Tom Thibodeau is very, his style is very, I need my guys to, uh, to make this type of system work, coach. And that's not to say that Wiggins and Towns and at the time Ricky Rubio and uh, Zach Levine weren't his guys uh, but they collectively brought it so inefficiently there were times when Zach Levine Wiggins and Towns could all put forth a full game of solid defense and in I believe it was the month of February they did that more consistently I'd need to look up the figures on that it might have been March regardless uh they have like the chops defensively. What Thibodeau would say during the season a lot of the time was that they just didn't know how to uh, stay the course throughout the duration of the season. You know, they'd have a good game against Charlotte, for example, and then they'd have a good game against Portland. Then they'd have a good game against Denver, but then they'd play Atlanta, and suddenly all the stuff that they had worked on would fall out the window and I think that's where their youth would come in uh I think I don't want to say they get on their high horse but I mean they were kind of getting on their high horse they just kind of forget what makes things work they'd take more risks they'd gamble more on defense go for steals go for blocks and I mean teams will kill you in the NBA with that even if it's you know one of the cellar dweller teams your Lakers or your Sixers Teams will kill you if you gamble too much, especially when it's young guys like Levine, Wiggins, and Towns. So this season, behind just the natural improved defense by adding a guy like Jimmy Butler to the team, what other ways is the team going to need to improve in order to change that for this season? Uh, Guys have to hit shots. (laughs) I mean, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, hit shots. Ricky Rubio at the end of the season. I miss you already, Ricky. Uh, Hit shots. They need guys that are going to score during and at the end of games. And more importantly, I think they they need guys that 
uh, are able to play within a more cohesive system. A lot of the time, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is just this monumental freak. Once I don't, he's not, I don't know if he's a once in a generation guy. There are a lot of good centers right now, but he is just an insane talent. I mean, you guys have watched him. He can get buckets whenever he wants, and whenever he gets the ball, whatever scenario he gets it in, it's going to be efficient. Wiggins, uh, not quite the same level of talent, but still an insanely talented guy. You may have seen he's he may be uh, working on a contract extension as we speak. Uh, can get buckets whenever he wants. You know Butler is going to be able to score, but what Thibodeau, I think, really wants, and I think the Butler acquisition is a big part of this, he wants a team that is more cohesive and plays within itself a team that makes extra passes that's something he talked about quite a bit i guess what i'm saying is uh, a team that is able to if you're watching them you see the offense they're running and you see why it's so hard to guard they have the talent uh they just need the system and i think the butler and in theory i guess the teague acquisition are big parts of that we already touched on the defense Rebounding is a big issue that they've had in the past. Gorgie Jang and Carl Anthony Towns do their part on the offensive glass. That's part of the reason I like the Taj Gibson signing so much. A, he brings the defensive toughness inside that they badly need. B, he's a brute on the boards. Uh, His rebounding percentages have never been insane, but he's, I mean, I test he's a hard worker and a good rebounder, and at the very least uh, helps his teammates get boards by just being, you know, a beast down there, boxing out, whatever have you. Uh, so between just working as a more cohesive unit offensively, defense and rebounding, I think, are the three big things. And uh, this might go without saying, but the Wiggins and now, yeah, the Wiggins and Cat development is a huge part of it too. I think, and maybe I'm being naive about this, but I think their development is somewhat inevitable. It's just to what degree they improve to. I think a lot of reports suggested going into this offseason that one of the team's priorities was improving the off- offensive contributions from the point guard position, which they did essentially by replacing Ricky Rubio with Jeff Teague. And I mean, I'm a Rubio fan. I think he's good for the team. I know like he's not necessarily uh, a modern point guard in the sense that he in terms of his shooting but what do you think that net effect of replacing Ricky with Teague is I know that uh Jeff Teague is has had seasons where um he has shot close to 50 percent off catch and shoot situations um I think Tom Thibodeau doesn't see his current roster makeup as one where the point guard is the general initiator I think he sees Towns Wiggins and Butler as that uh ricky rubio is an excellent excellent initiator he is a great rebounding point guard he's tough this might just be the guy that's been watching him since he was 17 but i've never seen i've seen very few players who care so much about winning like ricky rubio uh and man i lost my train of thought you got me thinking about ricky rubio you got me all nostalgic guys (laughs) Ricky Rubio is more of, I mean, you guys have seen him. He's more of a pass-first point guard. Towards the end of the season, the last, I think it was two months, he did average 16 points a game and his numbers went up. It's unclear as to whether or not that's sustainable. History suggests it's not. 
Jeff Teague has been up and down from season to season in terms of his three-point shooting. The hope is that he'll be up in Minnesota with guys like Butler, guys like Wiggins, guys like Towns there to initiate most of the offense and him just to kind of bring the ball up and then play. Defensively, he's a step down from Rubio passing-wise. He's a good passer. He's a good point guard. He's not Ricky Rubio in that sense, but I think he fits in Bibb's system more in that he has played in a successful system where he isn't necessarily the guy with the ball in his hands all the time. I think that's the big key. So moving to this Kyrie Irving craziness, (laughs) (laughs) we had to do it. Minnesota's been in the news a lot, obviously, with the Jimmy Butler acquisition, and now they're back. There's speculation that there could be a trade involving Andrew Wiggins. I think that everyone would agree in order to land Kyrie Irving, Andrew Wiggins would have to be part of that package. So I guess my question to you is, would the Wolves ever seriously entertain doing that, and should they consider it? (laughs) I've gone back and forth on this. On one, I wrote about this actually at A Wolf Among Wolves, but on one hand, Wiggins is 21. He's currently on a rookie deal that seems to be changing. He's averaged 20 points a game pretty much every year. He's Yeah, every year he's been in the league. He may have been just under his rookie year. He's a fantastic scorer. He is an improving defender. Uh, he, like He's been guarding the other team's best player basically since he's been in the league. So I think you could argue that's part of the reason why his defensive efficiency numbers are down. He's pretty much been thrown in with the Wolves immediately. But he's like a, he's a potential all-star, uh, high-level scorer player. And it's really hard to trade a guy that young, that good, for a guy with two years left on his deal. That's the other thing. If you trade Wiggins, he's got six years left with the Wolves. Uh, but if you trade him, that's gone. And then you get... Kyrie Irving, who's only got two years left on his deal. Uh, Kyrie Irving's, you know, a guy that... (laughs) A fantastic player, obviously. A great shooter. A great scorer. He's only 25. But for some reason wants to leave the Cleveland Cavaliers. I understand a guy that maybe uh, just wants a fresh change. uh, Maybe doesn't gel with LeBron personally. Whatever have you. But just the reports that I hear coming out where he's not willing to commit to a team, uh, where he's really wants to be the go-to guy, where I, I don't know if that works in Minnesota. They've already got Butler, and I think Towns is the obvious go-to guy of the future. There are a lot of question marks both ways. If you asked me, would I do it? Uh, I, I go back and forth on it every day. It's like when you ask me to pick my favorite album. Like, I, one day it would be this album, the next day it would be this album. It's really hard to say because there are so many upsides and so many downsides to both scenarios. Butler and Irving are friends from Team USA. Uh, then again, Irving doesn't seem to gel with LeBron James, who seems to be the easiest guy to gel with, at least on court, that I've ever seen. That could be wrong, uh, but the a guy of Irving's skill set seems to fit him perfectly. What it ultimately, ultimately comes down to for me, it's really hard for me to envision that the Wolves, uh, from their perspective, would be able to make that deal. I think there's too much risk with uh, Wiggins' potential ascension to make that move. 
with how little Irving is willing reportedly to commit. Owners, coaches, executives, they say things to the media all the time, and you kind of have to take those things with a grain of salt. But for what it's worth, Timberwolves owner Glenn Taylor recently told the newspaper that he owns, the Minneapolis Star Tribune, that Wiggins will get a maximum five-year contract extension, and he doesn't expect there to be any complications. And that goes along with what you were saying, that he would be under control for six more years, whereas Kyrie Irving is not willing to commit reportedly beyond the two years. He just wants maximum flexibility to be able to choose his next destination after this contract ends. So that would be taking a big risk. Um, Then again, though, I think the counter argument that some people are making is that this could be a contending team if you swap Kyrie Irving and Andrew Wiggins. So I think most people would agree that Kyrie Irving this season would be more valuable to them than Andrew Wiggins. 100%. Yep. Yep. So there's a lot that, that can go into it. And I'm wondering, do you agree that Wiggins is a maximum contract player? Seems undeniable that any other team would offer him a max contract too, even though they wouldn't be able to offer the number of years if the Timberwolves didn't follow through on what Glenn Taylor's promising. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that leads to another interesting uh, debate and question because Wiggins, while ha- having all this talent, um, I mean, there are question marks around his game. He's not a consistent, he's not a threat like a like a true threat from three. He's not a playmaker. He's not a lockdown defender. After he gets that max contract, which seems, as you said, inevitable, how valuable does he appear in the trade market then? Uh, like you said, Irving, if you make the swap right now, Irving is currently, I think, undeniably the better player. Uh Wiggins, I think, I think you've already answered your own question, Aaron, just by saying if he went out on the open market, he's going to get a max contract no matter where he goes. So in that sense, I think just in terms of value, he's clearly a max contract player. Uh, he's 21, and he's already putting up pretty insane scoring numbers. Uh, he yeah. can score on just about anybody. I mean, so in that sense, yeah, I think he's definitely worth that extension but after the extension happens i just wonder what his value will become it'll all obviously depend on uh, how much he improves i think i personally expect a lot of improvement i think he improved a lot more at least he had the eye test last year than some people give him credit for but uh hopefully that this the <laughs> i don't want to call them the stat nerds because i love stats too uh follow suit as well i'm looking at 538 who once compared him to james posey I still hold some resentment for that. (laughs) The biggest thing, I think, um, the biggest challenge in trading him is that his potential is just through the roof. Yep. And he's already, as you said, averaging so many points per game, I think around 23 and a half. And that's still with him kind of inconsistent for the most part. You don't know on any given night what you're going to get necessarily from him. And the defense isn't to the level that it was touted coming in. I know you said that he often guards the opponent's best player, but you're going to want him to be a defensive force 
for him to earn that maximum contract as well. Right. So it'll be interesting to follow. For me, I think the Suns are more of the favorite to end up getting Kyrie Irving. I think the Eric Bledsoe thing makes a lot of sense with his relationship with LeBron and especially if the Suns decide to trade Josh Jackson or one of their other young players, then I think the Cavaliers will really like that offer. And I think it just seems like the Timberwolves wouldn't want to part with Wiggins at this juncture. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting yeah. conversation, though. Definitely a wild offseason for your Timberwolves. Yeah, I mean, and that whole Josh Jackson thing just... Honestly, it reminds me of when the Wolves acquired Wiggins for Kevin Love. The question for the Cavs was, are they should they give up this the first overall pick for uh, a guy who, you know, he all, Kevin Love, all this talent, great scorer, great rebounder, is he worth it? Uh, Josh Jackson, I mean, <laughs> he didn't have a great summer league, la di da, but. Uh, He's coming in out of Kansas with all this talent. Defensively, he has, I think, more defensive potential coming in than Wiggins does, or Wiggins did, I should say. Uh, could be a great scorer as well. It's it's a, it's tough to make that kind of kind of a trade when I think when you're Phoenix, even if you get Irving, where are you then? That's the question for me. I think they're probably an improved team in the short term. In the long term, Irving has two years left on his deal. What happens when Josh Jackson becomes a really good player? I mean, it's it's a scary thought for them because I'm not sure. I, Devin Booker is an awesome player. There's no question. Marquise Chris, would he go in that trade? Would uh, yeah? I just I just don't know what that team would look like a few years from now. Even next year, I don't know what their record would look like in comparison to uh, last season. I agree. It, I think it's it's a, t- it's a tough move. Yeah, it's tough to envision really anything being um, risk-free or low on risk with regard to Kyrie Irving's situation or the team acquiring him because nothing is certain, as we said before, that he would re-sign. And if your team's not that good right now, it's hard to transform it into enough of a winner to entice him to stay in just two seasons. And the Timberwolves, they're better positioned right now. That leads me to my next question. Can you help me just assess where they belong now in the Western landscape? I think most people would agree that they're not yet at the point of where the Warriors, Spurs, and Rockets figure to be. The Thunder are going to be somewhere up there in the conversation now that George is with Westbrook. And then you have a lot of teams near the bottom of the Western playoffs, in my opinion, that also have some pretty solid depth. Where do you see the Timberwolves in that conversation? I just did a, a podcast with a bunch of Wolves writers. Man, it must have been, what, two days ago now. And we kind of have them tentatively slated somewhere around fifth or sixth in the West next year. Some people, I think this might be their optimism, have them over the Thunder. I don't I don't have them over the Thunder. Uh Paul George and Russell Westbrook, I think, fit together better than some people think. I love Paul George off the or off the pass from Westbrook. Uh, he's a better catch and shoot guy than I think people give him credit for. But right now, I have Golden State, San Antonio, Houston, Oklahoma City, and then for me, it's kind of, it's almost a tie between Denver and Minnesota for me. I love the Paul Millsap signing for Denver. 
Jokic and Millsap inside together, I think could be devastating. Um, they have questions at point guard, but I mean, they got Will the Thrill Barton who uh, fist bumps babies. I mean, they got Jamal Murray who's got some potential. They're a fun team. They're a good team. They they're good both ways. That's the only team that I think threatens the Wolves. Just right now, this could all change. Obviously, it, in fact, it's going to change by January. But Utah, I see falling off. Memphis is a good team that I think could still surprise people. The loss of Zebo is going to hurt them, though. Uh, the Clippers are a giant question mark. They lost JJ Redick and they lost Chris Paul. I don't know what DeAndre and Blake are going to be able to do together. Doc Rivers is a good coach. They have a good front court. Patrick Beverly is a solid replacement. I mean, it's really hard to say what Portland's going to do. Uh, but ultimately, just looking up and down the West, I think fifth or sixth seems realistic for the Wolves for next year in the playoffs. Just returning to a player that you were talking about a little bit earlier in the show, Todd Gibson, who the Wolves recently acquired. He's now the second former player that Tibbs brought in this offseason. Before, when you were talking about the Thibodeau system on defense, you were mentioning how he needs his guys to run that sort of system. But I think in the media, Tibbs <laughs> has sort of been downplaying the whole like my guy thing when bringing in these two guys. Right. Uh, it's a trend, I think, that we as analysts are in the media or if we're members of the media you that are, we're are. wary, you know, we're wary of these combination coach presidents when we see them, especially when there seems to be a trend of bringing in their former players. I know we pay attention to it a lot with Doc Rivers and the Clippers, but is that something that you're paying attention to too? No. In fact, when they signed Tom Gibson, I wrote about this, uh, I don't think signing Taj Gibson and trading for Jimmy Butler means that the that Thibodeau is, quote, bringing the band back together. I think as a coach slash GM, you're allowed to make one signing of, like, a guy that you know that you're comfortable with that is solid, and that guy is Taj Gibson. As I said before, he fills holes for the team that are badly needed, both defensively uh, and just, just in terms of communication. Cat at his best defensively was when Kevin Garnett was barking out orders. Taj Gibson is no Kevin Garnett by any stretch, but he's loud defensively and he's active and he knows what he's doing. So he's going to be helpful there. And then just rebounding the basketball there towards the bottom in rebounding percentage last year. And Taj Gibson is a good rebounder and they need that. I don't think trading for Jimmy Butler means anything other than they traded for a top 12 player. Uh, If Sean Marks was the GM of the Timberwolves, that trade was a good one. So I don't, that doesn't scream to me, oh, look, Thibs is trying to get all the Bulls back. No, he got Jimmy Butler. <laughs> that doesn't right. count for me. Uh, getting Taj Gibson, sure. I'm going to give him a pass on that one. I don't see the Butler and the Taj signings as one uh, entity, like a lot of people are writing about. They're not the same transaction to me. Butler is too good of a player, and for the price that they got him for, I think that was one of the more obvious moves that any GM could have made this offseason. Right. I mean, like, Tibbs ended up getting Butler, but also, like, 10 or so GMs were trying to get him, too. So, I mean... But uh, you brought up another thing, is that unlike a lot of the 
teams around the lower echelon of the NBA, which the Wolves were probably like a few years ago. I think the Wolves have always kept around these veterans on the team to be mentors to their young players, to help them develop in the right way. Before you had KG, like you mentioned, Tayshaun Prince, maybe this season, in addition to Taj Gibson sort of filling that role, you have Jamal Crawford now too. Um, What do you think of that strategy as opposed to just a wholesale, like all rookie type lineups that we see in a lot of the other young teams around the NBA? Uh, For starters, I think it's clear that Bibbs is trying to make the playoffs next year. Uh, Jamal Crawford has a reputation for being kind of a chucker, a a justified reputation, I might add. Uh, He's not the player he once was, but anyone who knows anything about Jamal Crawford is that he's a great locker room presence. He's a vocal leader and he knows basketball. Uh, So in that sense, he's going to be a great acquisition. It's, I mean, the, the Jimmy Butler trade was a great one, but it's in a way a bummer that Zach Levine is no longer on the team. Crawford and Levine are both from Seattle and have a really close relationship. So I'm sure Levine was bummed to find out that right after he gets traded, they sign, you know, his mentor in a lot of ways. Uh, but that just speaks to Jamal Crawford. Uh, the Wolves aren't done in terms of the offseason because right now, as it stands, their front court rotate or their backcourt, I'm sorry, their backcourt rotation is Jeff Teague, Andrew Wiggins, slash Jimmy Butler, I guess, Jamal Crawford, and Tyus Jones. There has to be another acquisition that's going to take place because right now they only have one backup guard slash forward, and that's <laughs> that's Jamal Crawford. Uh, unless they're planning on playing Nemanja Bjelica as a small forward, which has been discussed. This is clearly a team that is trying to do more than just uh, develop Towns and Wiggins, because as it stands right now, unless you count Tyus Jones, Towns and Wiggins are really the only two legitimate youngsters on this team anymore. So to me, it looks like Thibodeau has a clear plan in place, especially when you look at the contract lengths. Jeff Teague has two years in a player option. Taj Gibson has two years. Even Jimmy Butler uh, only has three years left on his deal. So it it looks like this is a team that uh, is working around Wiggins and Towns and is trying this core out. And if that doesn't work, there's going to be some money freed up uh, when the opportunity strikes to try again. I thought before asking my next question, I should just reference the Jimmy Kimmel prank that um, oh, Zach Levine played on Jamal Crawford. Just, just. You saw that? Oh, God, yeah. Like, uh, that just speaks to their relationship, too. And uh, I should reference, I, I said that uh, Jimmy Butler has three years left on his deal. I should have said two. But that uh, uh, <laughs> that Jimmy Kimmel skit really just made me happy. <laughs> I don't really know how else to describe it other than that. I mean, Jamal Crawford took that like such a champ and was such an adult about that whole thing. Um, yeah. And like the, it's a bummer. He didn't, it would have really been a bummer uh, for us viewers. If that, if he would have recognized that actor, I just, I recognize him from random stupid movies I've seen uh, that yes. pranked him. Uh, yes. but, uh, <laughs> I mean, Zach got him good. I don't know how like influential Zach was and in how the prank worked, but uh, or like the the setup, the overarching setup of that prank, but it was it was just well done all around. I, 
Yeah. I love that at least one of those dudes is on the Wolves this year. Yeah, Jamal has a big heart. I, I think it was a fake charity that, that they right, right. invented. And Jamal Crawford went to film the the video shoot. And he was, he was with kids and asked to do all these crazy type things and stunts. And he was a trooper. Wasn't surprising to see. Back to on the court stuff, Carl Anthony Towns, he's just a breakout star. He's He's been really good for a long time and he's still so young. All indications appear to suggest that he's going to get his big contract extension a year after Andrew Wiggins gets his. What do you think is the next big step for Carl Anthony Towns in terms of room for improvement in his game? He's already good at so many different things, it seems like. Defense. Like, that's all I think. He is so good at every aspect of basketball offensively. He can handle the ball. He can pass the ball. He can shoot from deep. Honestly, right now, he might be the best three-point shooter on the starting lineup, which is a weird thought. He's seven feet tall. Uh, He can play in the post like he's a freakishly good post player. Uh, He can take people off the dribble. He can catch and shoot. uh, He can rebound the basketball on both ends. He's a good shot blocker, but in terms of both post defense and help defense, he just has not figured it out yet. Uh, A lot of people compared him early on to Anthony Davis, but I think the one big advantage Davis had was that he was a defensive, just a defensive master almost immediately when he came out of the NBA. And Towns has a lot of those same athletic attributes, but uh, mentally, I don't think he has what Davis has defensively yet. Uh, There's no reason why he can't get it. He says all the right things about like, like he, when I say he says all the right things, I mean, he clearly acknowledges that he needs to work on his defensive game. So I don't think he, I don't think there's a, a very good chance that he won't improve a lot defensively over the next couple of years. Uh, but that's got to be the main thing that he's focused on uh, coming into this season. And I mean, just going forward. Otherwise, I don't want to call him a perfect basketball player because that, uh, there's only one LeBron James, but <laughs> I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is as close to you get as a, for a perfect basketball player. That's also seven feet tall. It's he's an insane specimen. <laughs> I know Gibson plays way more of a similar defensive position to Towns, but to what extent do you think Gibson's presence and I guess to a lesser extent that of Jimmy Butler will manifest itself already this season in defensive improvement for Towns? I think just the fact that Butler and Gibson know how to play effective defense, not just defense, but like effective team defense, communicating on the floor, making proper switches, uh, hedging when you need to hedge, switching when you need to switch, whatever have you. That's hard to pick up on in the NBA. Like most players I've talked to or just like read about seem to say that just picking up defensive tendencies and like what to do in that fast paced environment is way harder than anything offensive. Uh, So I think just watching and listening uh, to what they do and reacting off what Tibbs wants is going to be the biggest advantage going forward for Towns. Butler and Gibson know exactly what their coach wants, especially in this scenario, Mm -hmm. cats had a year under Thibs, but 
it's not always easy to pick up on that complex of a defense. I mean, Tibbs yeah. became famous once he had Kevin Garnett as the defensive maestro of the Boston Celtics, and Kevin Garnett's one of the best defensive players of all time, probably a top five defensive player of all time. Gibson and Butler are very good defensive players. They're not necessarily defensive anchors, but collectively I think they could help both Towns and Wiggins a lot in that regard. Yeah, I think that they definitely have the potential to be good influences on him. And they did draft Justin Patton, I think because of just the Jimmy Butler and some of the other moves around the team. Not a lot of people are talking about Patton. Plus, he figures to be out for a long time with the Jones fracture. Tibbs seems to like him a lot. What do you see as his potential and how he fits with this team moving forward? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, uh, frankly, I didn't watch any Creighton basketball last year. Uh, I did a lot of research after he was drafted. I can tell you that he's a fiery guy, sometimes to a fault. He lets his emotions get the best of him sometimes, which could be fun. Sometimes, you know, your team just needs a guy that is willing to get a little, a little dirty. He's a strong player at the rim and that he's really long and athletic and can finish when he has momentum. He's not a great rebounder, and he's an inconsistent defensive player. He's he's kind of the epitome in today's NBA of a project. With Towns as your current center, and even Gibson and Gorgie Jang, who we've hardly touched on, but is a very effective starter slash sixth, seventh man. He's not going to play very much, if at all, even after he gets back. But the potential is there. He even has a little bit of a three-point game. He plays pretty well off pick and roll. So, I, I mean, there's there's potential there. Uh, defensively, I talked to uh, Jacob Padilla, who writes for Hale Varsity out of Iowa, covered some Creighton basketball, uh, covered some high school basketball for them. Patton fits in his eyes as a defensive fit, ideally, going forward. He's not a defensive savant yet, but I think the assumption, or at least the hope, is that he can develop into that and then also develop some offensive game, maybe a three-point shot going forward. But he's a very big question mark right now. Tim, we just have one more question for you before we let you go. Thank you so much for your time. I know, as we've been talking about, Minnesota's already had a very active offseason, but as you alluded to before, there are still moves to be made. As I understand, I think they're only at 11 or 12 guaranteed contracts right now on the roster. So do you have any idea of the likeliest moves to fill that out or people that they may be targeting right now? Uh, I'm still holding out hope that Kevin Garnett will come out of retirement. No, (laughs) Uh, I think right now I I alluded to it a little bit before, but they need backcourt depth pretty badly. I know Tony Allen is still out there. I think, think Anthony Morrow is still out there. Uh, they just need guys that can go out and either hit three-point shots, Morrow, or play lockdown defense, uh, Allen. Uh, there aren't too many guys with that combination left anymore. Tabo Sefalosha, I think, got picked up. Ian Clark just got picked up by New Orleans. Uh, so it's, it's running a little bit dry. I think there are some diehard Minnesota fans that I know that are holding out hope for a Michael Beasley signing. I think that'd be fun. I wouldn't mind seeing a guy that can get buckets and play a little three, a little four, uh, but really just backcourt depth. Guys that can shoot, 
from deep, add to their three-point. Just in addition to some more three-point shooters, because right now they have okay shooters, but as I mentioned, I think their best shooter right now might be Carl Anthony Towns. And while he's an incredible talent, that's problematic as a whole because he's not a great, he's not a, a deadly three-point shooter at this point. Uh, so whether they go defense or whether they go three-point shooting, I would assume it's going to be one of those routes, if not both. They signed Mellow Trimble to a partial or maybe even a totally non-guaranteed deal, an undrafted rookie out of Maryland. He's not much of a three-point shooter or a defender. He's more of a scorer. So there's a lot of work to be done, but I think for the most part, uh, they're looking at the perimeter for additions at this point. Well, Tim, it was great having you on tonight. Thank you so much for your time, and hopefully we can do it again sometime. Yeah, it was fun, guys. Thanks a lot for having me on. Thank you.